Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson, senior editor of the Democrat Gazette, and our regular, whenever we discuss politics, public affairs, Skip Rutherford, former dean of the Clinton School, former so much else, is with us. Skip, always good. Much to talk about. Oh, yeah, a lot to talk about. I mean, we're heading now into the uh, 2022 election cycle. We just uh, saw North Little Rock pass a sales tax extension. We saw Little Rock passed a bond extension. And we saw the Whitehouse School District vote to build a new high school, which I thought was encouraging. I thought that, and Watson Chapel passed. I mean, Watson Chapel, not Watson, White, yeah, Watson Wa- Chapel pa- vote that's exactly to build vote. a new high school, you which bet. I thought was very encouraging. I think so, too. In a part of the state that's losing population. I totally agree with you. I think that's exactly right. It was a big, it was a close vote, but uh, hey, a win's a win. A- absolutely. We saw the legislature come in, do what we had predicted they would do, and that's um, speed up the tax cuts that had already been passed. Basically, they're just speeding up the timetable for the implementation of those cuts. But I want to talk about teacher pay, Skip. You you have such a long history in education. I mentioned you were dean of the Clinton School, but obviously those of you who know Skip, which I think is everybody in Arkansas, not just higher education, but a member of the Little Rock School Board for a number of years. So K through 12 uh, legislation, you remain one of the Little Rock School District's best supporters. So you have that experience at all levels. Um, And suddenly, we saw this outcry, kind of this grassroots among teachers that, yeah, we deserve an increase. We're even behind Mississippi now. We can't say thank God for Mississippi even when it comes to teacher pay. I think that what is building now, I know there was disappointment that it wasn't put on the call for the special session, but you and I, years in politics, we know sometimes you got to lose to come back and get a win and set the stage. I think the stage has been set with all the publicity, all of the teachers speaking out, administrators speaking out, that the pressure now is on the 2023 regular session of the Arkansas legislature and our new governor to do something really serious when it comes to teacher pay. Rex, I agree with you. I think, uh, as people have said in terms of college enrollment, staying even is a win, given the enrollment cliff. I think in terms of the teacher pay, the loss will turn out to be a win. I agree with you. Asa Hutchinson, I mean, I have criticism in areas, particularly of COVID and other areas that I don't think he's done as well. But under his administration, uh, in terms of teacher pay, he's he's been a strong advocate. And the fact that he elevated it out there, he, I mean, he single-handedly elevated the issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He brought it out there. Now, the, the legislature shut it down for the special session, but give Governor Hutchison credit. He, he cracked that door wide open. All right, you and I had lunch with my fellow columnist, John Brummett, a couple of weeks ago. And John brought up the question, and I want to bring it up for you. If Hutchinson knew that he didn't have the support, and usually you only put things on a call that you know in advance going to pass, why would he float the issue 
in the first place? What what is the end game for Governor Hutchinson? That's that's the question we discussed with John. I want to get your opinion well, on that. Well, yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure there is an end game. I think, uh, in my opinion, Hutchinson saw teacher salaries being low. He didn't want to be behind Mississippi. He didn't want to leave the governor's office with teacher salaries in Arkansas below the state of Mississippi. I think that was one, or at least certainly a logical thing. But I also think that he's, I mean, again, in give him credit uh, in, in this area. He's been teacher salary advocate for a long time. I mean, he, he's, he's had a pretty good record of trying to raise teacher salaries. And when he runs, if he runs, when he runs for president in 2024, people say, well, there's not political benefit for him. Well, I think there is. I think in rural uh, red counties, there are a lot of teachers and a lot of teacher families. And I think Asa Hutchinson can say, I did my best. Mm-hmm. Here was my proposal. And here's what I'm going to propose for be an advocate for teachers in the White House. Mm-hmm. I think that gives him a differential message. Do you agree with me as I look at my crystal ball and say there will be a major teacher salary increase in the 2023 regular session. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. You agree? Yes, I, and I hope there is. I believe that uh, a lot of people who said no, their response was, well, well let's deal with this in the regular session. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if they say no in the regular session, it, it's going to create a political firestorm. And we don't – when we take – think of teacher salaries. So a lot of people think of Little Rock and the teachers' unions. We're talking about outstanding citizens in Mountain View. Oh, every little rural district uh, out there. Uh, yeah. Arkansas uh, towns, Arkadelphia, Batesville. I mean, Asa Hutchinson has created a movement, and the teachers have jumped on that movement. And I believe the legislature will too. Let's move to current politics on the state level. You use, I mentioned many of your past credentials, uh, yet another one. You were a chairman of the Democratic Party of Arkansas when it was the majority party. And at that time, Republicans were basically where Democrats now find themselves. In Chris Jones, a person I know and like, I cannot imagine that the Democrats could have nominated a more qualified individual to run for governor. Yet, politics is timing, among other things. Uh, he finds himself in the wrong state at the wrong time. Is there, is there anything practically, and be honest here, Skip, is there anything practically that Chris Jones can do that he's not doing to gain traction between now and November? You know, Rex, I think Chris is running about as good a campaign as he could run. I also think that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is running a very strategically smart campaign Mm -hmm. by staying out of the limelight. He's trying to bring her in. She's trying to stay out. And that's hard being a former Trump person to be quiet. You know, I mean, mean, give Sarah Huckabee Sanders credit for the strategy. You can disagree with her. She'll flip when she hears this, but it's sort of the Biden keep me in the basement strategy and let other people make the noise. I think what you have to look at in any election— is there's two ways to run, scared and unopposed. Mm-hmm. Sarah's not unopposed. Chris is not unopposed. But what we saw, and why we should always remember election surprises, was what we saw in Kansas in that pro-choice vote of 
humongous numbers of people that turned out and a big margin for pro-choice in a red state, 58-42. Sometimes, some places, things just hit right. And in Kansas, there were some people that thought it'd be a close election. No one thought it'd be a 58-42 election. Exactly. And so I always say to everybody when they say, well, I don't think so-and-so can win. And I said, go talk to the people a week before Kansas. I mean, Kansas is an example of where you don't know exactly what the voters are going to do when they get in the budget. All odds favor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. All odds, all odds favored anti-abortion in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Good point. Now, we saw, and you and I love Arkansas history, among other things, we saw a 130-year period of Democratic Party domination in our state, 130 years. This current change started in 2010, and the rapidity of it was the thing that was amazing. Basically, over three election cycles, 2010, 2012, 2014, we switched from a heavily Democratic state to a heavily Republican state. Now, I'm not going to be around. You're not going to be around either to see 130 years ago, but I don't think that we're looking at 130 year trend in our state. I think as Arkansas becomes more urbanized, as more people move from out of state to Arkansas, that the demographic skip could play a role in all of that. The irony of it all is that when Republicans had no other strong area, Northwest Arkansas back when you and I were involved day-to-day in politics, was the one area that Republicans could point to. Now the irony is, with all the new people moving in, northwest Arkansas, you look at changing districts up there, I think provides some of the greatest opportunities for Democrats in the next decade. You know, Rex, it's interesting, and you raise great points. From 1836 to about 1986... The Delta, you mm-hmm. a near and dear part of you and your professional career. The Delta carried Arkansas economically. Absolutely. That's where the power was. Power, That's where the money was. The politics, the power, the money. We were a cotton-based economy. 1836 to 1986. So it was 150 years, much like Democratic control over the state of Arkansas for 130 years. We have seen now that switch, and that switch didn't take 150 years to turn around. Mm-hmm. The economy changed, farming changed, demographics changed. Arkansas, and I, I've said this and I will continue to say it, Arkansas is not in terms of a southern state like a Mississippi or an Alabama. Not at all. We're or not the, like the deep south we're states. Not like, we are not a deep south state. We are right. in the SEC, but we are not a deep deep south state. Mm-hmm. We, we relate more politically to Nebraska, to Oklahoma, and to Kansas. And you were just talking and about I'm Kansas. And I'm just saying yeah. that the voters will surprise you sometimes. They will surprise you. Well, we, we shall see. It's going to be interesting to watch over the years ahead. Now, again, we're still solidly red for right now. I don't see any Republicans in any trouble in any of the statewide races. But again, much as is the case on the national 
level, on the state level, the battle now, Skip, is inside the Republican Party. And it is a battle between those who are more moderate, those who were drawn in by the Tea Party and later by Trumpism. There's a battle we are also seeing inside the state. And you see those lines clearly out at the legislature right now. You know, Rex, it's interesting. And one of the things about Arkansas, and I want to talk about that because I think you're right. You you elevated that issue with your reference months ago to the know-nothings. The know-nothings yeah. on the legislature, so you, you, yes. Yeah, you brought that issue, uh, the division. And that's part of party growth is that as a party grows, you know, again, we're having major primaries in a lot of these states. And in Arkansas, for example, finally Sanders, Griffin, and Rutledge worked it out to where they found bases, but they all had to leave, much like Tucker moving out of the governor's race. Exactly. So but they'll all have statewide offices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think one of the things we have to look at Arkansas politics is that, yes, it is a red state. It's going to be a red state for some time, I believe. But when you look at, and I've been studying this more, particularly after the, the pro-choice vote in Kansas, which was really stunning, that you've been looking at Arkansas and, and you look at when the voters had an opportunity, red state, lottery, Raising the minimum wage, casino gambling, mm-hmm. medical marijuana. Arkansas voters tend to vote more progressive on issues than they do with candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think the Kansas legislature would have adopted the 5842. I don't think the Arkansas legislature uh, would have raised the minimum wage. I, I mean, I, I think you've got these issues where in some issues your, your mechanism for change and progress may be through the referendum process. We'll see how it plays out if recreational marijuana is on the ballot. We'll see how it plays out, Rex, if the amendment that says you got to get 60% of the vote to pass, Amendment 2, which is a, a, a bad amendment in my right. opinion. Right, right. Um, I but, agree. But, it, but in terms of internal Republican thing, you bet. I mean, you're, you're seeing that. And, and there's always sort of been these Hutchinson Republicans and these Huckabee Republicans. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that is the case anymore as it is the 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 no. Well, I think it's the moderate pragmatic Republicans now versus, for lack of a better term, the extremists. And these people are extremists, a lot of them. Well, that's right. And They're I'll, driven by social issues and state government. Those things are settled at the national level. State government, as you and I both know, is really not about social issues. What a state legislative session should be about is setting a budget and making sure you spend the tax money as efficiently as you possibly can. Yeah, and again, I think we've got, I mean, yes, the budget's good. You've also got to add to the fact that there's been a lot of federal funds put in this budget over the last Mm -hmm. three to a whole two, lot. Two, three years, including what they want to do is spend $500 million of federal funds to provide teacher bonuses on top of the $50 million that the governor wants to put into or is going to put into school safety. So, yeah, we've, we've benefited by an infusion of, of, of federal dollars. Mm-hmm. We really have. But now as we get into that new session in 2023 – Don't you think that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to learn the hard way what Asa Hutchinson learned, what her father, Mike Huckabee, learned, and that is her biggest opponents are going to be coming from her own party? Well, again, I think that 
governing a state on a good day is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, regardless whether you're a Republican. Yeah, it's or, not an easy job. It's not I, an easy job. I worked job. in that office for 10 years, it, it, I can assure it's you. It's not an easy job. I don't know how long, if she is elected governor, I don't know how long the honeymoon lasts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. But probably through that first session. Yeah. We'll be back with more of the Southern Fried Podcast, but first, this break. Hi, Rex Nelson here. Thanks for listening so far. A lot of the topics we cover here on the Southern Fried Podcast and many more can be found on the pages of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you'd like to support this great newspaper's commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette today. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad, provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, including my three weekly columns, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Let's move it to presidential politics. You know, we had some people through the Arkansas history that would run on minor third parties, going back to Coin Harvey, even Orville Faubus. Wilbur Mills then made a short, kind of half-hearted, his heart never was in it, but run for the Democratic nomination in 1972. Dale Bumpers came very close, very close to running for president on two different occasions and then Governor Bill Clinton pulls the trigger in 1992 of course is elected president of the United States is reelected Mike Huckabee comes along in his first presidential run wins the Iowa caucuses is on the front of all three what at the time were the major magazines Time Newsweek US News and World Report and came real close to winning the nomination then Now, all of a sudden, I'm beginning to think, Skip, that this small state, it's really amazing in recent years, the national figures that have come out of here, is going to have two candidates for the Republican presidential nomination, Governor Asa Hutchinson and Senator Tom Cotton. I'm thinking they're both in. We're going to have two from Arkansas, and that that is just really, really amazing when you think about it but i'm starting to think it's going to happen now you know rex when i was a kid growing up i never met a president i never saw a president it was all on television Mm -hmm. newspaper radio but this generation and now a new generation is growing up where they're they're so used to arkansans running for president uh, and as you just laid out some but you've also throw west clark in there oh yeah you've got you've got a whole bunch of people that, and and now we're. It, I agree with you. I think we we very easily could have two uh, Arkansans running for president. Hutchinson, in my opinion, has carved out a path. Now, 
it may not be a winnable path within the party, but he has differentiated himself from the the rest of the pack in terms of not totally in the Trump world. Right. Tom he is Con- following that moderate, pragmatic path. And he may be able to stay around longer in the primary. I mean, he may be able to, because there may be a, the Liz Cheney pragmatics mm-hmm. of the world may say, well, we can, we can go with this guy. Tom Cotton is, is a different animal. Seems to be getting angrier and angrier in his comments, which is a little surprising. But he's got DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis is on the 10-yard line trying to get to the goal line. And mm-hmm. Tom's not at midfield yet. Yeah. And Tom's got to get through DeSantis. Yeah. Hutchinson has just got to weave in to stay alive. Stay alive longer, yeah. Now, remember, you've got other factors here. And right now, one of the most interesting things about— You're going to have the governor of Maryland going through that same group that Hutchinson's going for, the moderates. You are. You're going to have that. And that's probably his competition. Mm -hmm. But what you've also got this new factor in the the race, one of Roe v. Wade and abortion, Kansas. You've also now got the— uh, FBI getting the files from the from Mar-a-Lago. One of the most interesting things about that, Rex, is that, I mean, having been through the Hillary Clinton emails and oh, yeah. all that stuff, one of the more interesting things about that is is that after the Hillary Clinton emails and after President Trump was elected, he signed into law a bill that said if you unlawfully take or maintain or keep executive a privileged National Archives records that your prison sentence is from one to five years, increases from one year to mm-hmm. five years, and, and it's a felony. So the law that Trump signed about maintaining and keeping confidential records, particularly impacting national security, right, may in fact come back to haunt him. Mm-hmm. And that may have a big impact on the 2024 record. Yeah. Hutchinson has already clearly separated himself from Trump. I think Cotton, it'll be interesting to watch if he c- continues to separate more from Trump in the months and weeks ahead, or if he doesn't. But again, I think they're both in. I was having lunch. Uh, you helped facilitate recently getting our mutual friend, Jonathan Martin, uh, here. He is the national political correspondent for the New York Times. And over lunch, uh, you know, he had that typical question. What is it with Arkansas? You know, the small state looks like you're going to have two people running for president. And as a guy who was political editor of this newspaper, the Democrat Gazette, when Bill Clinton won in 92, uh, I'll say to my newspaper colleagues, just enjoy the ride for however long it lasts. Because it's kind of neat, Skip, as you and I both know, being such a small state and being in the national political spotlight. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great opportunity. And for young people, whether you're involved in the in the Hutchinson camp or the Cotton camp, it's a great experience. Or I mean, a newspaper, television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly right. So, so from that perspective, yeah. Again, as I look at it, I see a path for Asa Hutchinson. I'm not sure it's a win, but I see a path. I don't know how Cotton gets through DeSantis unless mm-hmm. DeSantis implodes. They could. Yeah. But I don't know how he gets through him. All right, let's back up to 2022. We've pretty well established that we're still a deep red state, although demographic changes over the next decade may start to change that a little bit. But we're a deep red state. All of the statewide Republicans should win, I'm thinking, fairly easily. And so that brings me back, Skip, to something that we discussed the last time you were here I think the most intriguing political race in the state this fall 
might be the Little Rock mayor's race. And I'm talking in the state. Obviously, Arkansas never achieves its full potential unless its largest city does so. So the whole state has an interest in watching that. And we continue to see issues bubble up now. It's going to heat up a lot after Labor Day. But my hope is that this thing just doesn't break along racial lines. I've got to tell you, I'm not encouraged by some of the things I'm seeing on social media right now. No, and I think— A lot of those comments do, unfortunately, seem to be race-based to me. Yeah, it, uh, it is regrettable. But what we're seeing, I think, is at the local level, what we've been seeing at the federal level for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think this is this is a manifestation of of the federal level. Mm-hmm. I worry too, Rex. I worry that this is going to be racially charged and get very ugly and personal. And I don't know how that, that is not going to happen because I too am seeing things that 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 I don't think people should be saying. But it's going to be an interesting race. I think you make another point. I think it's going to attract some national attention. I do, too. And I also believe that— Frank Scott, for instance, does chair the National Association of Black Mayors right now. And I do think that you've got Chris Jones on the ballot from the Democratic side. You've got Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a Little Rock resident. In the the governor's race, yes. Uh On on the governor's race. Yeah. So— it's, there's going to be a play. There's going to be some play-by-play here in, in the mayor's race. People ask me what I think about it. I said, you know, it, it, it's kind of like predicting the Razorback football season. Wally Hall says the Hogs are going to go 10-2. and two. I've got a friend in Fable who follows it closely. He said, we'll be lucky to be 7-5. and five. I don't know. I mean, my, my sense is, is that it's still a toss-up right now. Yeah. I, I do think it may attract some national attention. Now, I don't think this is entirely fair – to Steve Landers, but because in Arkansas we don't have many movie stars living here, we don't have professional sports teams, our stars tend to be people we see on TV. I mean, our weathermen are celebrities, as you know, here in Arkansas. Steve Landers has been on TV a lot advertising his automobile dealerships through the years, so he became, in essence, an Arkansas celebrity through TV advertising, so I think what national media will try to do, because I'm obviously being in it, know how the media's mind works. They're going to try to paint him as this kind of Trump-like celebrity coming in who hasn't run for office before. And the opposition is this young, still in his 30s, black mayor of Little Rock. And therein, as you mentioned, lies the national political hook. Yeah, to all and of I, this. Think, I, think that's, I think that's fair. I think, and we do have a third candidate, Greg Henderson, in the race, I need to mention. Uh, and Steve Landers is basically running his, his campaign on the crime issue right now. I think when you read it and you look at everybody else, you look at red mayors, red state mayors, and mayors in red cities have increasing crime problems too. But everything is local. So it's going to be an interesting campaign. And it will be, I think we know where Steve Landers is going to go after Frank Scott. Mm-hmm. I think we know the issue. He's already read. What we don't know is what Frank Scott's going to go after Steve Landers. That's yet Frank's, – Frank's kept his campaign, and probably rightly so, until after Labor Day. Yeah. One thing I saw this week, though, Skip, we mentioned the bond issue passing. And I noticed in Frank Scott's statement, the first thing he did 
is thank the members of the Little Rock Board of Directors. Frank's relationship with most of the board members has not been good over the last couple of years. It deteriorated during his first years as mayor. You and I know that. I think that's pretty common knowledge. I think that shows that he's trying to say this was a unified effort to pass this bond issue, and we can do a lot in this city with a unified effort. That's what I read out of that I, statement. I, I think you're right, and it was a smart move on his part to do that. It was a convincing win, a much-needed win for the city. But get ready, Rex, because the next debate's going to be, and it'll start soon, will be the second portion of the American CARES Relief Act, about $18.8 million mm-hmm. that Little Rock has. That debate on how to spend that money was deferred until after the bond issue was settled so that they wouldn't get the spending priorities mixed up. But just watch. Just mm-hmm. watch over the next week or two. Can the board and the mayor coalesce around how to spend, and it's a big amount, yeah. $18.8 million that's sitting in the bank ready to be spent. board did a good job of not talking about it during the bond issue. They got that done. But now let's see if, if this a unified spending package. I know there's going to be a lot of pressure from folks wanting to put money downtown. There's going to be a lot of pressure for people to put it out in their zones and districts. Watch that. All right, real quickly before I let you go, yet another thing Skip does. I've listed all of these. Longtime board member, Lyon College in your hometown of Batesville. Last show, we talked a lot about Lyon's audacious plan to open the state's first dental school, open the state's first veterinary school. I think it's going to be the biggest thing if it goes forward to happen in downtown Little Rock in decades. I know the accreditation processes are time-consuming. They take a long time. I worked in higher education, too. I know those things don't move quickly. But quick question, are things still moving along? Because it's so exciting. Things are moving along. Uh, Lots of people, including me, are working on it. It is a big endeavor. Yes, you're right. You've got to go through the higher education accreditation before you can answer all the questions. So that process is underway and and hopefully will go through smoothly, it seems to me. But yes, there's a lot of good work taking place, a lot of exciting work taking place. And Rex, you, you know, I was involved in the Clinton Project, and Lord knows you, you know the heat mm-hmm. I took on that project. Mm-hmm. But this one... This is, I mean, again, a lot of work has to be done, no done deal, got to be approved, a lot of ground to cover. But if this happens, this is a game changer for the world. Oh, absolutely. When both schools are at capacity, you would have, if you take teachers and then add in faculty members and add in staff members, Skip, that's a 1,000 additional people coming to downtown Little Rock every day. It is, Rex. And let me tell you, the, yes, it's not only good for the coffee shops and the art centers and the I hotels. I think a lot of them would choose to live downtown, that's residential. Right. And, yeah. and, and hopefully residential renovation of buildings, which you and I are advocating. But here's the other thing, is that all of a sudden, we have these two great professional schools. What kind of auxiliary industries are there out there? That, and this is where Little Rock has an advantage, a diverse workforce. It also has a port that got needed funds, mm-hmm. a, a navigable river, a close airport, good railway connection, good interstate connection. I mean, it's a, it, it offers economic development, recruitment. I mean, I think you can look at these companies that serve 
the, the veterinary related industry and, and I'm talking about not just our dogs and our cats but I'm talking about cattle horses oaklawn heifer I mean there's a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. out here and then in terms of the dental thing are we talking about companies that provide dental resources dental equipment dental manufacturing I mean it opens the door for Arkansas to compete in some new uh, economic development areas. Skip Rutherford, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Southern Fried Podcast. I'm Rex Nelson. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette.